I see we're live now. We are, because this is this is going to be the show, whether we like it or not. Mike, I feel like, maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like you should lead this, because <laughs> almost everything in here is either sponsored by you or you put in here. Sponsored by me? What does yeah. that mean? <laughs> well, like, for instance, I didn't want to talk about the Apple news, but you definitely uh-huh. said we should. Um I agreed with one too, so it's partly my fault. Yeah, that's true. It's always partly your fault, Nick. As a senior contributor, you take a minority of the blame, but still some blame. Wait, so it's not like a plurality of the blame? (laughs) No. But there is some blame to be had. Exactly. All right. I like this. So that being said, people who are watching the live stream will know that my desk setup my recording setup is very different than it was last time we recorded last i have never recorded from this setup i'm i'm gonna post a picture that i took right before we started recording uh of what my desk looks like just for interest because i'm a temporary podcaster at this point for the next couple months um so uh having said that that that's why i'm gonna be looking I actually might be looking more at the camera than I usually do on the video, but I'm also going to be looking down because my notes are on a laptop because I'm, or my notes are on a tablet because my recording setup is a laptop and I don't want to be flipping back and forth. Um, All that explanation to say, we do have some follow-up that I wanted to just um, briefly chat about. The last time we talked, uh, it was the weekend of the, I guess, Freedom Mobile started with a, they offered this major discount 10 gigabyte plan for it was around 60 bucks maybe i think it eventually by the end of the weekend it was 50 bucks for 10 gigs um and all the reason that they made it 50 was that all the competitors all the major wireless competitors started matching their 60 dollar offer for 10 gigabyte plans and the only caveat of the plan was that you had to if you were in a contract you had to buy out of it and um at the time i thought to myself I'm not going to do this plan. I'm I'm not going to get suckered into this. It wasn't it wasn't going to be for me, but for for my wife because she had just gotten on a on a new plan. And uh, I just wanted to say because at the time we didn't really know what impact this was going to have, but uh, in the intervening month we have discovered this has led at least um, from my corner of the internet. This has led to a major kind of upheaval of understanding of wireless systems, and everyone was. First of all, very upset that this wasn't offered as a regular plan to customers, but also that uh, people were either unhappy that they weren't able to get it through customer service on that weekend. And so they had to, I mean, some companies I think are still uh, offering the plan if you, as long as you made an attempt to contact customer service to try and get on the plan during that kind of four day weekend period, like Friday through Monday, um, I did manage to get on it through Fido. Uh, for Julia's line, so that is was very exciting for her because before her plan was seventy dollars for one gigabyte a month, <laughs> and now wow. it's sixty dollars for ten gigabytes. It's not even a, it's like apples and oranges. What on earth did she get for one gigabyte and seventy bucks a month? What do you mean? What did she what, get? That, is that that's what she it? got? Like, is there nothing like how seventy bucks is a lot for one gig? It, it was, well, it was unlimited calling and texting and, and that whole situation, but that was the, that, that is the standard pricing model. Like, and then it goes up from there. Yeah. I think in current pricing, you just assume that it comes with effectively unlimited calls and texts. Yeah. Like it's, 
it's kind of an exception and kind of absurd to not. At this point, you're basically just pricing the data. Is that yeah. is that financing a phone at all? Yes. That okay. was for $500 off a phone. That oh, Okay, yeah. that makes more sense. Yeah. Uh, that, yeah, that was the stipulation um, with the, the, these were all bring your own device plans where you already had to either already have a phone or be off contract in order to sign up. And that was that was how they were able to offer such a different pricing structure. They're basically charging you like each month they're getting the money as opposed to taking a portion of that $70 one gigabyte plan towards paying off the phone each month. It was just priced differently. But in the end, it works out way better for consumers if you have 10 times more data and get charged for the phone up front. And so in Julia's case, you did have to buy out of her existing contract, right? Yes. Do you want to give us a bit of insight into how the math works out on that? I mean, (laughs) high level, but... Yeah, the math requires you to want 10 gigabytes more than you want $10 a month, uh, which I did. I was willing to make that trade off. Uh, (laughs) I I bet you were. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I always would. Well, I always buy my phones up front anyways. Um, you also really like gigabytes. Yes. In in my, uh, wow, not enough coffee this morning. In my experience, you you like your gigabytes a lot. I, yes, I really do. Uh, so in the end, it was it's going to work out to about, because we had, like she had literally in November, like it had been less than one full round of the 24 month, one full month of the 24 month contract. Um, we basically paid out almost the maximum early termination fee but it ended up being about two or three hundred dollars cheaper than if we had just bought the phone like because they the store had given us some subsidies like some extra subsidies i i learned some interesting things that i had kind of assumed when we bought julia's original contract and that uh basically at least for fido and i'm sure it works the same way for other companies they have an allotment every month of basically like extra money that they're allowed to give away to customers signing up for plans and so we ended up getting about two, maybe $250 worth of kind of extra stuff. And so that basically worked out to taking that money, amount of money off the purchase price of the phone. This is $250 in discounts or in other compensation? In Well, she still, so the phone still cost, I think, $469 on the contract, but it was a substantial, it was a subsidy of, uh, well, I mean, they're like $1,100 without so it was about $700 off um whereas normally it would be about $500 off I think and so we did they did throw in some accessories that were offered at a discount but they also gave us money towards those things like there was a lot of there's a lot of as it is with all kinds of sales tactics there's all kinds of extras thrown in so you can't really tease out all the things that you're paying for and all the things that are kind of included in the price and it's all just uh in the end I think we ended up paying on the day of, we ended up paying about $500, $450, and that got us a case, a screen protector, a wireless charger, the phone, and then this $70 plan, whereas all of that together would have been about twelve dollars or $1,300 if we hadn't had any kind of discounts. So she, she didn't switch carriers though, right? She was she already did, on Fido? No. She was on Bell before. And so she had to buy a new phone from Fido? she didn't have to technically but so but i signed up for like to get the device subsidy she would have had to be buying a phone like she had the phone she had was a 5s 
Oh, so she was due for an upgrade anyway. Yeah. Okay. She was long overdue for an upgrade. Her phone was like five <laughs> years old. So I have a different perspective on this story if you're interested. Yeah. I'm very interested. My sister is now working for a major telecom. Mm -hmm. And over Christmas when I saw her, I looked at her and said, oh, hey, uh, how was that, you know, the, that uh, 10 gigs for $60 deal? How did that go? And her eyes just widened. And she's like... <laughs> I don't want to talk about it. We're not talking about that day. That day was awful. <laughs> now, is she in customer service, like on the phone end or yeah, on the, she like, was, in a store? Well, I think it's a little bit of both. Okay. But like, apparently things got insane. Yeah. Like as I can, as I bet we all imagine, but mm -hmm. apparently it was, it was quite the day. So this deal was being offered to Ontario as well. Yeah. Oh, I thought it was just the, Western provinces. I think we asked or mentioned that that it was BC, Alberta, and Saskatchewan. I thought it was our Western privilege at work. Saskatchewan already had it. I right. am beside myself. Saskatchewan still has it because they have SaskTel, which offers competitive prices. Um, I believe at the time there were certain carriers, and I'm trying to remember back, but I remember seeing headlines um, that certain carriers were only offering it in Alberta and BC. But then once one of them started saying Ontario 2, then all the other ones kind of piled on and said, okay, fine, Ontario 2. Oh, okay. Yeah. That makes sense. So Julia is now on a 10 gigabyte plan and it's like, it was well worth the, the extra price for me. Like it, basically my Christmas present was that I did this as a secret because it was like December 20th or whatever that I actually signed up for it. So I was like, okay, here, like now you don't, because at one gigabyte, if you use data at all, if you don't like keep it off most of the time and just turn it on to use it, you could go through it pretty quickly. <laughs> um, but with 10 gigabytes, there's a lot more freedom to kind of just leave data on. And if you're out, outside of Wi-Fi range, you're not really worried unless you're someone like me who uses like 30 just because I stream without any worry whatsoever. Like, and I have been for years. It's a little different if you're just using 10 gigs for the first time ever. So offline, I made a comment about in order to hit 10 or 15 gigs, you'd need to be very, may not very, be fairly frivolous with mm. your data usage. And you didn't feel <laughs> that what I consider frivolous is frivolous. Right. Um, now, the, the example I used was letting apps update, yep. like download updates mm -hmm. while on cellular. And for most people, they are able to wait until they're on Wi-Fi. And there's obviously settings within... Mm -hmm. I'm assuming the app store as well. Like I know the play store has it. I'm sure the app store does as well it does, yeah. to wait until you're on Wi-Fi to download updates. Now for myself and yourself, like you said, like we don't really have to worry about that kind of thing, but for people on data plans, just like non unlimited plans, yeah. you'd have to, to be aware of that and probably just leave that as, you know, update when I'm on Wi-Fi. but with the 10 or 15 gigs, that's effectively unlimited. So they are able to turn that option on. Mm -hmm. but you don't you don't feel that that's just being frivolous and saying well i have enough data i'll just let that go or do you think that's actually like oh fine like and let my apps update well it, from a certain perspective it's frivolous but in general i don't think the ability to do that is frivolous because what if you like for instance um when there was a conversion from people having landlines to people having cell phones and making the majority of their calls on a phone that was plugged into the wall versus a cell phone, cell phone minutes were limited. So if you were at home, you would use your home phone. 
we are eventually going to get to a point where there are going, like I guarantee there are going to be households that don't have like a, a line plugged into their house for internet. They're just going to be relying on cellular service. And at that point, you have to, like, if you have to update apps, you do it wherever you are. You just, it doesn't matter anymore. You kind of lose that tether. And so in the same way that you'd now, you would see, like, uh, if you go back and watch old Seinfeld episodes, when the cell phone was introduced, there was a thing where there was a plot line where it was rude to call somebody from a cell phone because it was considered like less important. Whereas now it's like, what do you mean? It would be rude like that. It doesn't even make sense anymore. I feel like over time there are still going to be uses. Like if you own a business or something, or if you want to have a desktop computer, that's, that's like situated somewhere that you can get work done. You're still going to have a use for having home, like a home internet connection. But I think in general, it's going to be kind of like having a landline phone in that you're going to be relying on cellular service. So it needs to be, fully unlimited like you need you're going to need to be able to do everything from your cell phone if and if that means updating apps if that means like say you're happen to be out at i don't know some some establishment and a new album drops and you want to listen to it right now and you go to your spotify or whatever it is and hit play and realize oh no i'm on cellular i have to wait until i get home to play this but you're like oh i really want to play it with my friends like we're in that situation we're in the, the why don't, future why don't you just talk to your friends well, they want to listen to the music too. Like they want to have it as a backing track for their conversation. These don't sound like my friends. <laughs> if if you had, Nick, if you had a group of people and say, I don't know, a new Weezer album comes out, aren't you going to want to listen to it with them? No. <laughs> so Rob, the situation you're painting, I don't feel that that's the same type of frivolousness as letting an app update. Because I think that is a case where you'd be benefited by having that amount of data to do that. I think we're searching for the word frivolity here. Mm-hmm. Frivolity. Is frivolousness not a word? I mean, Don't technically so. it would be. It's you're what? just adding suffixes to an existing word. It's still a word. <laughs> I think you mean suffices. <laughs> <laughs> so, Rob, to, to your point about not having home internet, I think that's yeah. actually pretty interesting because I had looked into Fido's offering of their home internet yep. service and is basically you're tethering to a base station that's connected to the Fido network. Yeah. My my recollection of of what it is. Like it's it's not a uh hardwired broadband internet. It's it's a basically a LTE base station. A hot spot, yeah. Yeah, like a hotspot that you then, you know, use as an access point for whatever wireless devices. Mm-hmm. So if you're wanting to kind of like hardwire something, you could still do that. Like I I presume the the base station has maybe an L, uh Yeah, Ethernet it would. I think port. so. Uh, I just don't know if the bandwidth or network quality is on par with what you'd get from an ISP, like right. a home home internet service. Mm-hmm. But I can only assume that we'll get to that point eventually. And, and I, I actually do hope that we'll be able to have all of our internet service through one provider, whether it be a home home internet isp or a cell carrier Mm -hmm. like i guess shaw is kind of moving that way with you know now they have freedom Mm -hmm. as you know in their uh, portfolio so they seem to kind of be seeing that same future where people are going to get their services from one provider and with fido getting into the home internet service and marketing it as home internet Mm -hmm. uh, they're going the same way so and well telus obviously has both mobile and home yeah bell mobile and home like it they effectively all ready yeah, offer it. It's just different means. So I don't know. I, I don't know how much you'd have to build up your cellular networks 
to support both home and cellular internet? Well, so from my perspective, if you think of the transition between 3G and LTE and hearing talks about 5G internet, which is already being tested, if assuming that that leap is at least the same as from 3G to 4G or better, I don't think that's totally unreasonable because something that is like a, a network application that seems almost impossibly slow or bad on 3G was amazing on LTE. And I can only imagine that something like having this kind of like doing a podcast, for instance, a multi-end podcast on a 5G network would be like having a phone call on a LTE network, like over VoIP. And it's just totally reasonable to, to do that. Like the only thing that would get in the way is interference from your environment. Sorry, real-time follow-up. Suffixes is the plural, although suffices appears occasionally, (laughs) but not the standard plural. So as I wrote this, that word down, um, I realized it's spelled the same as suffices, which is probably why it's not used that much. (laughs) I could see that. Yeah. (laughs) But I mean, there are, there's tear and tear too. Oh, I know. I know. Not, not to say that it's could not be used, but it only works in spoken aloud because, um, I think you mean suffix suffices looks like suffices. Maybe we should, we could or should say that suffixes suffices Mm -hmm. because then that looks funny on paper. (laughs) We could definitely do that. So in the same vein, apparently frivolity and frivolousness have actually two different meanings. Oh, really? So frivolity means silliness, lightheartedness, or a frivolous thing. Yeah. Frivolous means the quality of being unworthy of serious attention. Wait, frivolous huh. or frivolousness? Frivolousness. What source is that? <laughs> it was like grammar.com or something. I just Googled it. The fact that you said or something makes me think that you just made that up. <laughs> I didn't pay much attention to it. I just looked it up and clicked on the first link. Like, I think those are reasonably similar definitions we're going into. So I was okay to say frivolousness. I think so. <sighs> I mean, I guess. This episode of Future Chat is brought to you in part by the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. Today, I just want to talk about one of the shows that are on uh, the Alberta Podcast Network, which you can find on albertapodcastnetwork.com, called The Ed Podcast. And uh, one of the episodes that I listened to recently was Conversation 36, where uh, Shane Lawrence talks to uh, Ted Nisloni, who is a principal in uh, the United States. And he... Ted, uh, Todd had recently taken on this role after being a teacher for a while. And it was really interesting hearing that kind of progress from, you know, being a teacher and hearing about, you know, how a principal runs their school, kind of the things involved in that, and then having him transition into that role himself. And it, it was really cool hearing it both from a aspect of being a professional who has, you know, my own managers and supervisors. And you kind of come up with these ideas of how their job is and, you know, whether you think it's easy, whether it's hard, whether they're doing it properly, whatnot. And until you're in that role yourself, you can't really appreciate mm-hmm. that. And, uh, you know, as someone who went to school himself, obviously, you know, you, you see teachers and principals and their interactions and, you know, you're having your daily interaction with the teacher, but you don't really know what it's like to have that, you know, principal yeah. role. You know, you, you see them around the school, you know who they are, obviously. You basically just see them as the boss. But, you know, there's a lot of stuff that goes into it, almost basically from like a business management type role. 
um, especially when it comes to, you know, budgeting and, uh, you know, your curriculum and all that kind of stuff. So it, it was really cool being able to, to hear that kind of conversation. And, you know, I listen to a lot of tech podcasts, so I hear, you know, journalists and developers and that kind of thing talk about their business. So hearing an education podcast, it was, it was really cool having that connection, you know, having gone to school myself and having a child who's going to be going to school, uh, hearing that kind of discussion from, you know, people in the field themselves. Yeah, it seems like it, th- we uh, we listened to this this one episode, but uh, he goes on and interviews uh, different educators, different teachers from from all kinds of different backgrounds. And there's also just regular check in episodes that they do um, with with some of the other kind of more uh, repeat hosts. But uh, yeah, it's it was definitely an interesting thing. And I know I'm going to have to start reading up again about schools, but it was it was really interesting hearing the the point of view of a principal of a school. Because, yeah, like you said, I never really thought of them as a person. They were just kind of like, they were always behind a desk. And like, if you went into the office that they were there, but obviously their job is a lot more varied than than a child could ever think of it. And even than a, than a parent or a teacher could really think. Like the role is a lot more broad than you realize. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So yeah, you can find uh, Shane's show on com as well as many other shows that would probably more than likely fit one of your interests. So feel free to check it out and you can find us on there as well. Their show is at the edpodcast.podbean.com directly if you want to go and subscribe to the RSS as well. Okay, Mike, you want to round out our follow-up? I do I. I, 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 I do. I do believe I do. So, well, yes, I certainly do. <laughs> so building on the price war for data, I guess on the other side of the border, Project Phi, uh, run by Google, they're offering a $80 unlimited plan. Ooh. And so it's still showing signs of competition in other areas, not just Canada, thankfully. Um, and their their plan is structured so that like they have their regular ten dollar I think it's ten dollar per gigabyte mm-hmm. uh, price structure that they carry, but once you exceed that, then it's a flat eighty dollar charge. Interesting. So it still it still scales up as you need it, but you don't just get charged gigabyte on gigabyte every time. It, it caps out at eighty bucks. Huh. So you, even though you're on an eighty dollar plan, you won't necessarily be paying eighty bucks every month if you don't. Right. D2? Yeah, yeah. That sounds spectacular. Yeah, so that's a really cool cool price structure. So hopefully we'll see something similar, whether we're, Project Phi comes here one day or not. I don't think we will in it the won't. next five to ten years. But that I there's hope. Yes. There's hope. <laughs> Revolutions are built on hope. Now, Mike, do you think that having this data plan available if so say you're signed up for this like it's just project fire right there's no you don't sign up for an 80 dollars maximum plan you just right. use data yeah do you think you would use less data on this plan structure than you would on one that's unlimited from the get-go like because i can see there's natural spending barrier every time you get close to that gigabyte cap like do you know what i mean for me personally, I don't normally get super close to that like eight gigabyte mark. Sure, I think I'm more kind of in the six ish range. No, but I, yeah. So I mean, as you hit like as you hit four gigabytes, you realize you're going to spill over into the fifth gigabyte. Would you curb your usage, or would you just keep going, knowing that eighty like you're fine paying oh, eighty bucks? Like every right. time you get close to that gig limit, there's a a thing that's basically is like. 
I feel like it's almost like psychologically like gambling. Like you're putting more money into on the thought that, okay, well, I'm going to spend that next gig. I'm going to use that next gig of data. The way that I'd see it, and maybe it's because I'm not in a financial position where I'd have to worry about that extra 10 bucks, like mm-hmm. other people might be. Um, but for myself, I'd consider myself on an $80 plan. And if I happen to use less than that okay. bonus, okay. like I think just for my own sake, I'd I'd approach it that way. So if I look at my bill and be like, oh, I only use six this month, sweet. And I'd save 20 bucks or right. whatever it was. Then then I'd go with that. I wouldn't try to monitor and, and limit my, my data spending. Like I just kind of trust that it would average out. Right. So... Like I plan to spend that 80 bucks and if I don't, then, then all the better. Okay. Um, I kind of had a similar approach, I guess it was kind of a reverse plan with Telus, where like I had the, like I was on a plan where it was a hundred gigs a month, I okay. think something like that, hundred or 150 and anything over that, the next 50, I think was 15 bucks. Or I could upgrade to the next plan, which would give me unlimited or something like that. Right. But it was say 20 bucks more per month or and actually no i think it was five or ten bucks a month per more mm-hmm. but i didn't regularly go over so it, like over a couple months or a year i was still better off just paying the data overage fee right than going up to the next plan because i didn't always need that extra amount so it's kind of the same idea right like i wouldn't say oh i'm at 95 gigs i better not spend any more this month i just i'd use what i use and just kind of trust that it would average out. Yeah. And it, it did. Right. So. Although now you're on an unlimited plan, right? I, I honestly don't even remember now. I think it's, <laughs> I think they increased the cap anyway, like even for the plan I was on, right. I think they increased it by 50 gigs or something. Um, like I, I just know I'm paying about the same that I have been, but I've gone back and forth with them. Every time my, uh, contract comes up, they call me and I negotiate something else. Right. So my, my tablet plan is kind of similar to this idea in that you get three gigabytes for $15. And then after that, it's $10 per additional gigabyte. And so in December, I went, oh, I hit, I passed three gigs. And I did have the thing where I was like, okay, well now for the rest of the month, I'm not going to use it because thinking if I get past four, I'm going to be charged another $10 was like a disincentive from using it more. But I guess it's kind of, it's kind of different in that eight gigabytes is a pretty high cap to like, once you hit that, you're not going over, you're not going to be charged more. Um, but it does kind of seem like the incentive structure would make people less likely to use more as opposed to more likely to use more until you get to that $80 cap. Yeah. Like it, it depends on how much you use. Yeah. Because I think, I think the cutoff is actually at the seven gigabyte mark. It goes up that 20 bucks. So you're actually paying 20 bucks okay. for the next in limited, but at once you're over yeah, six, yeah. so you have to use another two to make it worth it mm-hmm. almost. Right. So I don't know. I, I think for those that would like unlimited planets, it's really good. But I think, like you said, for those that are kind of on that bubble every month, it would probably disincentivize them. Yeah. Cause if they use six and a half, then they, you wouldn't want to spend 20 bucks for an extra half gigabyte. Right. Exactly. So, but yeah, it's very weird. It's it. Yeah, I love the idea of getting to unlimited data. I just kind of wish, like, obviously we don't have that kind of plan anymore in Canada. There are other providers, like I believe Sprint in the US still has some plans that are like, they're effectively unlimited where they will curb you if you use, like, they have like a reasonable use policy. But T-Mobile. They call well, them I unlimited. Believe. Yeah. I think T-Mobile has an unlimited 
type plan as well. Okay. Um, and you know, just to finish off this, like the la the 10 to 15 gigabyte plans, those are for most people unlimited. Like, right. Yeah. If, if, unless you're streaming video and audio regularly, like mm-hmm. daily, you're yeah. not going to get anywhere close to that. So mm-hmm. I, I think it's good that people, and I've seen a lot of comments from people that were on similar, you know, $70 for one gigabyte plans. And now they're paying 60 for 10. Yeah. Like that's life changing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Like, <laughs> like a lot, and especially like data overage fees were quite quite crippling for yep. for people. Like people would pay two hundred bucks a month. Oh yeah, definitely because of their their data overages. So it's like, well, this mm-hmm. is really good for them. So the last last piece of follow up that we have here, and this is going way back when Sugar Mobile was <laughs> a uh, a player in in the Canadian telecom industry, and they were kind of shut down, and because the major carriers complained that they were abusing their roaming agreements Mm -hmm. because they were essentially reselling their wholesale bought roaming coverage. Um, So sugar mobile is, or was a Wi-Fi only carrier. Like they use voice over LTE for their, or voice over IP, I guess for their calling and did voice over LTE as well when you were uh, outside of Wi-Fi range. So one of the, I think, it's a company called Kojiko. It says they sell cable internet services Ontario and Quebec. Yeah, that's I've Ontario. never heard of them. Yeah. My mom was so, with, was with Kojiko for at least a while. Okay. So they're similar to like Shaw or Telus or Bell. They're more Texas. like yeah. uh tech savvy. I think tech savvy. like they're they're on the Rogers Bell end, but they're like tech savvy in that they're more like a small company that they're established. But right. some of they'll the do, they'll do like cable and stuff though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like think, TV? Yeah. Oh, okay. I think. Yeah. Pretty some sure. of the yeah. some of the cities in Southern Ontario, like actual Southern Ontario, you if you sign up for Tech Savvy, it is going through Kojiko instead of the typical Rogers like it is in Ottawa. And so Kojiko has their own infrastructure as well? Yeah. yeah. Okay. What's actual Southern Ontario, Rob? <laughs> I don't <I'm> know. Curious. <laughs> like below, let's say below Belleville. <laughs> just for example i have no idea don't ask me i'm not the right person it was actually funny we we talked at work about where i was going over christmas and i said oh i'm going to northern ontario sudbury Mm -hmm. and they're like i have no idea where that is and so i showed them on a map and they're like how is that northern ontario what's this over here like up in kenora and i'm like it's like northwestern ontario what are you saying <laughs> is it like population density like once you hit the 50 percent of ontario population well no then like northern ontario would be like ajax mm-hmm. <laughs> it's very bottom heavy <laughs> what's i'm wondering it's a very toronto heavy province like there's stuff yeah, in southwestern yeah, yeah. ontario but it's not like it's nothing's on the scale of the gta mm-hmm. there's windsor is <laughs> southwestern uh, anyway, yeah, so there's like two cities. <laughs> Coming well, back to to any- to the Kojiko story, so I guess their CEO came out in support of Wi-Fi first MVNOs, which Sugar Mobile was, and I guess that kind of signals a return of that model, hopefully. So, in light of the ten gigabyte for sixty dollar hailstorm we had, <laughs> we'll hopefully start seeing more competition in the cellular landscape well in canada so mike 
Um, I'm going to put this other link in the notes, but there's a there's a story here from January 2nd where Sugar Mobile, which does still exist, like as an entity, right, uh, not operating, are super on board with this as well. Oh, I can imagine. Um, they're quoted <laughs> as saying they're proud and eager to continue work on the first on their Wi-Fi first network. So yeah, definitely they're still trying to do what they had planned to do originally. Yeah. So do you want to take us out of follow up, Mike? What uh, what's our major story of the week, the month? I keep saying week. <laughs> the major story of the month. <laughs> well, this has been a fairly arduous adventure. This uh, iPhone story with their throttling of processor performance in their mm-hmm. phones, and. I guess the whole backstory was there were some benchmark tests run, and I think it originated on Reddit. There's a Reddit post made that highlighted these uh, these benchmark results when they compared processor performance for the same phone before and after updating the operating system, and mm-hmm. there was like a stark difference between the benchmark scores. And they dug into it a little bit further. I can't remember exactly what company ran these benchmarks. I think it was Geekbench. I think, yeah, I was going to say, I think I remember Geekbench being being the one to do that. So they ran, they looked into it a bit deeper and did a bit of like a big data analysis because with Geekbench, you can, as a user, you can go on and run benchmark tests on your own phone, Mm -hmm. like on your own device. And obviously this system, it reads what device, what operating system, et cetera, is being used. So they could go and Geekbench has all this data. I presume it's metadata, not... right like identifiable yeah, data yeah, yeah. Um, but they're able to kind of group together the different phones and operating systems and kind of compare the results between the two and there were very distinct levels of performance and these all occurred i think in the new probably whatever point whatever level of operating system had i think it was ios 11 that they made this change that uh, ios would limit the performance of the processor depending on how much your battery could handle they would like limit from a battery the performance health. of everything it wasn't just the processor like even screen brightness would maximum screen brightness and volume oh really were affected yeah are you sure about that yeah it was everything oh, okay like every possible system that could use power oh, okay so guys i just i have to interrupt i feel like there might be a marauder in or around one of your houses is it a canine marauder no 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 the canine <laughs> barks at the marauders oh, to keep them yes. away. The canine is, has found the marauder, yes. Are, that, are you okay? My, do you need to go canine. and check this out? I do not. He barks at sure? everything. <laughs> yes. Because, like, this is Teddy. I trust Teddy's gut. I do. I really do. He's been wrong so many times. He's never been right. <laughs> but what if this is the time, Rob? What if this is the time he's right? Mm-hmm. Well, he's been silenced now, so I guess they got to him. <laughs> How are you so calm? <laughs> Nick, I feel like your reaction is the way a dog would react in this situation. <laughs> Do you not hear that? <laughs> you should check it out. <laughs> Rob, 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 Rob. <laughs> so anyway, they, uh, they compared these results and basically concluded that there was something at the system level that was limiting the performance because there were these very distinct performance Limits. levels. Yeah. And like they all matched up depending like across different devices so anyway this is posted on reddit and there is a whole thing it was like oh apple's doing this and then apple eventually released a press statement kind of clarifying what they were trying to do 
and it was related to battery health saying, and anyone who's had a phone probably has experienced this, uh, Android users for the most part, I think, where your battery will get down to like 20 or 30% and then just shut off. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, that happens to my phone still. It happened yesterday. Right. Can attest to. <laughs> um, so that's caused by just the battery, even though it says it's however full, it just doesn't have the same sort of output. It, I don't know if it's, it's the maximum voltage. 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 Yeah. Um, because a lot of the components of the phone have a certain minimum operating voltage. But mm-hmm. if the battery, as the battery health degrades, its maximum voltage output deg- degrades as well. So that's where those the shutting off happens. It's like I don't have enough power to to run this device anymore. Mm-hmm. So Apple built in a a system into the newest operating system, which limits the performance so that you don't get that immediate shutting off of your phone. Mm-hmm. Which on the surface seems like a good thing, but people <laughs> took it as. They're trying to slow down your phone, so you buy a new one. Right. So that's that's kind of the backstory to all of this. Uh, I, th- I think we're probably all on the same page with the non-story that this is. But it's, it's unfortunate that it turned out this way. That mm-hmm. the, the takeaway story from this is that Apple is, you know, limiting the performance of their phone so you can buy a new one. Right. The, the messaging I, I've seen and the communication from Apple is really what most kind of experienced people are looking at and i can definitely like i can definitely empathize with that so there are a number of things that can actually cause your phone to slow down it doesn't just have to be an old battery it it is just anything that happens that causes voltage spikes will now cause your phone to slow down so i have noticed this on my relatively new because i got a refurbished uh, iphone se two or three months ago if i'm playing pokemon for a long time and my battery drops below around 40 or 50%, like if it gets starts to get not low, but relatively low, and it is hot because I'm playing Pokemon Go for a couple of hours with the screen on and all this, like if I'm using the battery very heavily and it starts to get hot, anything that will affect the battery performance will cause it to just go into this super slow mode. And like everything is super glitchy and animations lag and all this. Um, and... It's almost like I never really noticed that before. And so I was attributing it to the app, like the game Pokemon Go, just getting slower if I was in a network congested region or something, which has happened before. But having this explanation now, it's like, oh, now I literally know what I can do to stop this. So if if I'm ever playing and this happens, and I'm like, it usually happens on the bus where I'm like playing hard for a long period of time, I will just plug my phone into my battery pack and it's instantly fixed. Like it instantly goes back to the way I would expect. Everything is running smoothly. The phone's still hot, but now that it has that source of power, it's no longer um, like like turning down performance. Okay, I have a question for you guys because I heard something and I just I I don't actually know enough about cell phones and tech to actually give it a good sniff test. Um, so the whole like Apple slows down the phone because reasons it's getting old whatever mm-hmm. um like that i'm fine with but i heard someone say that android doesn't do that but as a consequence they said it burns out the battery faster and yes. i mean i can i can absolutely say that my old android phones suddenly just start you know the battery life just becomes abysmal and then i have to get a new phone yeah does that like does that check out is that in keeping with what we've learned this past couple of weeks 
Yeah, I th- I think I don't know if it's direct. Like I don't know that there's a direct line in that in the same way. Just because the architectures and the kind of performance trade offs are different between Android and iOS, but it certainly seems like a reasonable explanation for it. Okay. Yeah. The other thing to keep in mind, and it's it came out when people were playing Pokemon Go on their Android phones, is it would heat up the phone to a point where the processor does actually start throttling it. Yeah itself as well because it it, it doesn't want to get above a certain temperature mm-hmm. and if it does it will start taking measures to not increase any further and that entails reducing the performance so that's kind of a separate but related thing um apple's thing is more of a like coded software well yeah it's almost almost beyond like they want to have it so that it doesn't get to the point where the processor has yeah. to actually like throttle itself it's like okay we're, we're getting to a point now where we're needing to kind of scale back mm-hmm. the amount of stuff that we're doing. It's a higher level throttling. It's not the processor yeah. level. It's at the operating system level. Yeah. And like, yeah, Android phones, they'll just shut off at 40%, 50%, whatever, whatever point mm-hmm. their minimum voltage or their maximum voltage is below what the processor and the screen and all the other components require mm-hmm. to run. And then it'll just shut itself off. And then you'll plug it in and it will show 0% because yeah. as far as the phone's concerned, it doesn't have any power. <laughs> right. So, Which would happen to iPhones too. That was why this whole thing was implemented. Right. I But I think it happened less frequently with iPhones. There was one specific version. I think it was one of the later, one of the first versions, sorry, of iOS 10, maybe 9 or 10, where they they released an update that was specifically to try to mitigate that specific kind of crash and i guess it did mitigate it but then they took this a little more time and rolled out this full system with ios 11 right one of the other quotes that apple made was in this i think it was the same press release when they initially explained the uh, measures they were taking they referred to batteries as a consumable 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 product or whatever and people are like what what do you mean it's consumable batteries are consumable (laughs) now it's like Yes, but like, I recharge my battery. <laughs> but that's that's just it. It's like, do you think that battery just lasts forever? <laughs> Have you had like, a car? I, I, yeah. So, but I think there's this this <laughs> expectation that your devices will last forever, right? And to a point, it would be nice if they did. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that's a reasonable expectation. And and I think with all of this, Apple's just trying to make a bit more of a pleasurable experience even if your phone is getting a bit older or your battery health is getting worse to still be able to use your phone and not have it shut off on you all the time yeah speaking as a former or someone who has worked as an electrochemist that checks out batteries don't last forever it's a thing (laughs) heard it here here thank you for reporting that from the field (laughs) well i mean how many how many actual electrochemists have told you that batteries don't last well you've just been like taking the word of other people yeah, that's true. This is true. I, I've, I've been in there. I've seen the graphs. It's, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. I'm in a silly mood. So, Mike, okay. to to address this, Apple is now offering for a year, if your phone has an old battery, they'll replace it for um, effectively a f- about a 66, like a two-thirds discount. Um for 2018 do you think that's enough of a step like i don't know i i feel like they should almost replace batteries at slightly above cost if they're gonna have this option 
I just, yeah, I don't think battery replacement needs to be a revenue generator. Right. Like it's, it shouldn't it's be a service. Yeah. It shouldn't be right. Like it's, it's a service. It's a, it's a maintenance of the device that you purchased initially. It shouldn't be something that you're trying to make money off of and, you know, take advantage of people wanting to extend the life of their device. Um, and I mean, like for myself, the Samsung galaxy note four, it has a replaceable battery. Like you can take the back off of the phone and, and pull the battery out. Mm-hmm. And a while back, I bought a couple replacements for it back when the Note 5 was the newest Note out. So there's still Note 4 batteries around. But now, like, you can't find any Note 4 batteries. So I think we're on our last replacement ones because I've already replaced mine once. And Marie's replaced hers once. Um, So, I mean, like, I guess once this one goes, then, then that's that. Right. Uh, but it'd be nice if the manufacturer supported replacing batteries in their devices a lot more mm-hmm. and didn't make it such a, a hassle. But it comes back to, you know, the, one of the main reasons people buy a new device is because their battery stops lasting, yeah. right? So yeah, if, yeah. You, if you take that away, then you're cutting into your sales. So from a business standpoint, I understand why the manufacturers wouldn't do that, but it's unfortunate because mm-hmm. like, I don't think that, I think that goes further to, encourage people to stay with that manufacturer going forward if it makes it easy to to replace the batteries once you buy a device right the the odd thing to me about the whole like battery replacement thing is that you as a customer like most people weren't even aware that the batteries could be replaced like everyone always says oh the the battery on my phone like because I have an iPhone, you can't replace the battery, but that's not actually what that means. It just means that, well, first of all, batteries are hard to much harder to buy for an iPhone. You can still get them. I think iFixit even sells a battery replacement, um, but it wasn't. It's not commonly known, and it's a little more work. Like you have to unscrew the the screws on and, and like take the back off. You kind of expose the guts of the phone. Whereas with most of the Samsung phones, I don't. Are the newest notes even battery like user replaceable? They're not. No, um, I don't know if they have any models right now that are user replaceable. I feel like the Note Seven or Six. Seven was the one that blew up, right? Right. Yeah. So the Six, I think, was the last user replaceable battery mm-hmm. that they had. But like on, on an old phone from any manufacturer other than Apple, like if you drop the phone, the battery could just go flying out and you wouldn't expose right. the guts of the phone like you would now replacing a battery. You There'd be a plastic kind of sectioned off area where it was specifically made to be user replaceable, but that takes up more room. Um, the one thing, so on term, in terms of Apple replacing batteries at or slightly above cost, the other thing that they get out of this program is the fact that while a battery can be used up, the the consumable material is really just being able to transfer electrons effectively. And if Apple's doing the replacement of a battery, they keep the old battery and can recycle the materials. Like the chemicals are all still good. Nothing has changed about them on a fundamental level. They're just in a different form and they need to be recycled and can be converted into new batteries eventually. Speaking as a former electrochemist, <laughs> that's correct. <laughs> You can recycle battery bits. Yes. For the most part. Well, eventually you can recycle all of it. It's just, they might not, it could be very energy ineffective to do so. Well, I think the electrolyte could degrade yeah. depending on the battery. Right. But that's not the that's, raw material. That's not the expensive part of the battery. It's like the, the actual uh, lithium. 
I don't know enough about it to say anything conclusively on that front. <laughs> As an electrochemist, we don't really know at this point. <laughs> no, no. I t- Damn it, Rob. I was an electrochemist, not an economist. <laughs> I know. I know. That was unfair. <laughs> Thank you. So, Mike, anything else on, on batteries and performance and, and Apple? Uh, like, I think... I feel like Apple's handled this as well as they could have. There are people uh, that that feel differently. I, th- I <laughs> yes. know... Well, I'm, like Marco Arment, like he's in full support and understanding of what Apple's doing, but he feels that this is going to resonate through the public for like he says the next decade. I don't, I don't know how true or accurate that is. Uh, I don't, I don't think. I think so. people are gonna, I think people are gonna forget about this pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, that being said, you know, with the whole Note Seven thing, like people still make jokes about that whenever they hear about Samsung. Right. It's like, oh, it's gonna explode. Like they, although, like when. When he says resonate, I do think that people will, knowing this now, make the choice to replace their battery instead of buying a new phone more than they would have otherwise. Like it's put in the public consciousness that if you replace your battery instead of buying a new phone, you'll still get your same performance that you remember back. I think that will be a long-term impact of this is people realizing, oh, if I just replace the battery, it'll be like having a new phone again because that was a consumable that I exhausted. But they're not going to replace it themselves. No, they'll, they'll have to take, take it, it to a shop yeah. or whatever, or, or a reseller, a third party. whatever it is. Right. Yeah, right. Maybe. I just think, as far as the negative exposure that Apple might have got from this, like the people that are going to take this negatively already thought yeah, badly sure. of Apple. Yeah, right. So th- I don't think they're changing any minds. People like, oh, maybe Apple is bad. It's like, <laughs> see, Apple is evil, and it's like, right. well, you weren't going to like you thought this already. So right. when I, when I say uh, changing minds, I mean like even Samsung phone owners might go oh my phone's getting slow maybe i should replace the battery like they'll think of that instead of being like i'm gonna buy a new phone the only reason they would buy a new phone now is if it it had a feature that they really wanted that their current phone didn't have or if their phone was up like their contract was up for renewal and they were going to get a cheap new phone right maybe and i I think that's good like people should be aware that that's an option exactly yeah i think it's if anything from a communication standpoint that's all they could have done better is message this but again, they're, they're still beholden to their stockholders. And the only reason the stock is staying where it is, is that people think they're going to sell 75, 80 million phones every quarter. It's just like, it's a ridiculous standard to hold someone to a company to. This episode of Future Chat is sponsored in part by ATB. This week, uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about one of the ATB Alpha Beta programs, uh, as we have been doing the last uh, several episodes. So this week, we're going to talk about the Junior ATB program and their connection with uh, a Canadian fintech company called Dojo. Um, so if you go to the link in the show notes, you'll be able to see a, a bigger description. But basically, uh, this is steps that ATB is taking, uh, working with Dojo to get kids involved in finances and get their financial literacy uh improved so uh, it sets up children with uh connected with their parents bank accounts but a checking and a saving account um it can let parents set up allowances spending limits um, chores their kids can get paid for uh and kind of teaches students or students teaches children uh how to manage money in the world where you don't actually get a lot of physical 
currency. And I, I, f- I just found this super interesting thing to uh, give kind of give parents full control over their kids' money, but let them control allowance without necessarily giving them like a twenty or five or ten or twenty dollar bill every week. Um, Mike, you actually have a, a child who is alive. So, what do you think about this? <laughs> well, I mean, alive and breathing air in the and, world. Yeah, uh, I was gonna say yours. Yours is, alive, is alive as well. You're right. I uh, as soon as I said, it, I was like, no, that's not right either. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but no, like. Emma's at the age now where, uh, you know, we're starting to talk about what the appropriate time to start introducing some sort of allowance system mm-hmm. is in. Uh, she's obviously still too young to to manage an app on on a yeah, device yeah, and yeah. that kind of thing. But um, it's really nice to see that that banks and ATB specifically are are taking this sort of initiative and and thinking about how the times have changed. And is you know back in the day of piggy banks and and giving kids you know a couple bucks every week is is kind of in the past a little bit and it's like you know it's one thing to teach kids financial uh fundamentals but Mm -hmm. another to know how to manage it in the world they're in right now yep um i mean it'd be like i mean i guess i learned on a typewriter because my parents (laughs) chose to do that but it'd be like trying to teach a kid to type on a typewriter versus like in an actual word processor right so or on um, a smartphone like you would now with a virtual keyboard because that's probably how the first thing someone uses now so, uh, but no, like, like the way that they're doing this, uh, having, you know, giving a level of independence for a child on their device to manage their money mm-hmm. while also having the oversight of the parents. Yeah. Um, I think that that's a really good thing. And, and I'm really looking forward to see where this goes. Yeah. Uh, I'll mention that, uh, this is still kind of in a test market right now, but, uh, they're looking to expand that market early in 2018. So this year, so, um, have a look at this, this link on atbalphabeta.com. And uh, there's also a video here on just more about their junior ATB program. So kind of teaching financial literacy to younger kids. Uh, So thanks to ATB for sponsoring this episode. So can we can we round the show by talking a little bit about Microsoft? Does that seem reasonable? Yes, I'm open to that. (laughs) So uh, it turns out like we had been we do the show every month now. And the Apple news happened almost immediately after we recorded our last show. And this Microsoft stuff all seemed to have happened in like the last day and a half. <laughs> so I am not at all up on what's happening with Microsoft. So this is going to be, I'm coming into this cold. I'm really excited. Good. So uh, for a bit of context, I am subscribed to Office 365, which is, I'm off on the home plan, which is about, it's $10 plus tax a month. And that gets you Office th- apps like all their suite of apps for up to five different users and each of those users gets one terabyte of storage with OneDrive, their their storage provider and as such as a subscriber to that program i'm kind of in tune with all the windows updates and microsoft updates that come to office and a, a lot of things happened in the last few days that, that uh, related to microsoft that make me kind of intrigued and excited and so the the one thing uh that came across my desk it was either yesterday no it was the day before it was friday um is the fact that with the latest round of updates specifically a new i guess kind of major major in quotes version of uh office microsoft office for mac um now brings that that the mac side of things to the same the, the official word is code base but this like it's now the same app running on mac and windows and iphone and android so they're you they're basically developing one 
version of the applications and then kind of compiling them for the different operating systems, which means that any new features that come to Office for Windows will now automatically get to uh, the Mac and mobile operating systems without any additional work. And I'm super duper excited for that because I have always thought that the mobile versions and the Mac version specifically has always been, or at least for a really long time, has been very behind feature-wise. And I'm looking forward to being able to, especially because I use this um, a lot at work, I'm looking forward to being able to open the documents and have kind of the full ability to make all the modifications and be able to view all the things that I would view anywhere as opposed to being handcuffed or limited in a lot of ways by either mobile apps or by like office for Mac being like a year or two behind on features. I'm uh, yeah, I, I don't have much to say other than that, but I I'm very excited to hear and it's, it had being kind of a small D developer now that I know how much of a big endeavor that was to get everything on the same um, code base. Now, does this mean that, Every function, every part of functionality of, say, the Windows platform would be the same in like Mac and Android and iOS. Like, is that the idea, or is that is it not as major as that? The, it, it could be, is my understanding. So, like, one of the things, one of the things that I wouldn't expect to get on mobile is like turning on paragraph marks or like the when you can look at markup, like actual document markup. Um, if you've ever turned that mode on, then you are an Office nerd and I applaud you. Um, I basically I use online. Office only exclusively in that mode or at least <laughs> Word. Um, did you ever use that Word is Perfect? A, I did use Word Perfect briefly, like for a year or two before we got actual, I think, Windows 95. Did you, uh, did you ever use the reveal codes in Word Perfect? I don't think so. Oh my god, it was I beautiful. assume you did. <laughs> I I basically used WordPerfect well into university wow. specifically for the reveal codes. Like Yeah. Now, I assume so that's what are reveal codes? Oh, it's or like what is I think I think it's what Rob is talking about. Like you'd be typing away at a document, but on the bottom like third or quarter of the screen, you'd see like little symbols for where like italics start or you right. see a special yeah. symbol for the spaces and it was really really transparent and easy to make make it exactly the way you wanted mm -hmm. and yeah i've never found yeah, no, office to have codes that good but granted i haven't tried in a while they are not that good there's nothing like for italics but the paragraph the space like new line um yeah all the kind of extra characters have symbols for them like spaces and paragraphs Okay. Yeah. It's, I, I'm similar with editing web pages. Like I, I like in WordPress, for example, I prefer to edit in code than in visual mode. Right. Where it acts more like a word processor in visual mode and code in code mode. Mm -hmm. But because uh, sometimes, especially like just HTML formatting, it's really silly where you will highlight and bold it, but not all of it gets bolded. And you're like, why isn't it all bolding? <laughs> so then you go to the code and there's like an extra you know, bold HTML tag mm -hmm. kicking around somewhere. Yep. So when you just stick to the, the HTML, then you can edit it a lot more um, and enter in, you know, consistent spacing and, and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, I've, I turned that on for Microsoft Word for the same reason. I think I'd started using it in WordPress first, like editing in HTML. Right. I'm like, well, that's actually very useful. So then I switched to Word and because it's the same kind of thing. You'll, you'll try to move like a paragraph up, but it's not moving. But then when you go to the, 
paragraph markers or whatever on that you can see that there's some other extra little thing in it that you have to kind of delete out first before being able to, to format it the way you want it to. So, mm-hmm. um, but you're saying that you wouldn't expect that to show up in the Android version. I'm saying that that functionality is built into the application on iOS and Android, but I wouldn't expect the, the interface to surface that functionality. I wouldn't expect there to be a button because it's turned off, but it's there still. Why would it be turned off though? That's what I'm asking. Because it's a feature that you wouldn't need or unless you're like a niche, a very niche user, you wouldn't use on mobile. Like I think they would stick to the basic editing functions, being able to type and format and all that. But, and again, I haven't, I haven't used like, for for instance, it might exist on the iPad version, but the iPhone version, like you're, you're, they're trying to compress controls down to keep it as simple as possible as well. Like that is, that's that does have to be a consideration. And I just think that in terms of realistic trade-offs, that's one that they would, that would be one that would be most likely to not be included in the mobile version, like turned off, invisible, but it's still there because it is the same code base. Right. The thing that I was wondering about was macros, if that functionality would carry over again into mobile and maybe not. I think you'd need a different, you'd need like a visual basic for iOS basic like right. in the same way that if you, once you go into the developer tab you can click visual basic and run it on any document like you'd need a visual basic app that would tie into OneDrive and be able to open apps and run an application like it would all have to be rethought and it wouldn't right. work in like the word app you wouldn't be able to do that or it could recompile it for Android or iOS what do you mean I, recompile it wouldn't be recompiling it would have to like porting it to like to be able to be run on yeah i think Android it would take a different iOS. application is what i'm trying yeah. to say it would take in a di- like in the same way it does for windows like the, the office oh i see what you're saying like the visual basic editor yeah, exactly. is like its own program yeah. right i see what you're saying even if you're just running a macro with a button and you don't open visual basic at all it's still running in the background you just don't see right. it right yeah so I, I but i would be curious i haven't actually tried opening a, a macro document on mobile to see what the button would do if you hit it. I assume just nothing would happen. Right. It will just be like an image object. Exactly. Without any macro assigned. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, I, th- I thought that was very interesting from a programming perspective, but the other thing that, that came up when I updated to the, these new office versions um, is that at least on office or Mac, there was a little pop-up that said like, what's new and showed a list of some of the things. And one of the things that came up was the fact that, um, there are two functions, two new functions that were introduced to Office 365, which is kind of crazy because I kind of assumed that they were, that was feature complete or considered feature complete at that point, that they weren't going to be adding new functions to Excel anymore. But um, there's one called ifs, which allows you to kind of incorporate multiple if statements into one cell instead of having to nest different ifs. Uh, and there's one called switch, which functions in the same way as if you're a programmer, if you have any programming experience, the way a switch statement does, where you can set up multiple possible outcomes depending on the input. Um, and when I went to go and look at the feature, it said that these these um, functions are only available for Office 365 users. So you have to be subscribed to the monthly or yearly subscription in order to use in order for that those functions to calculate output which i thought was so weird but and i wanted to kind of get your guys thoughts on that because it doesn't seem like a great idea to start that 
trend. I, you know, would you talked about this offline when you saw the topic mm. and my thought was that I don't really care as long as it's not adding additional functionality. Right. Which in this case it's not because, you know, you can, you can achieve the same sort of, uh, function by just nesting if statements and i've i've done that before oh, i've done that a I, lot. I, and i mean like as i'm doing it i'm like i wish there was an easier way to do this mm-hmm. and now there is but i'm okay like it's not ideal but it's fine um thinking about it now like some ifs and count ifs already works the same way that yes. this ifs one does mm-hmm. like you don't have to nest those ones it just says condition one result one condition one result one kind of thing yep. but uh like I don't know. It's it's a business. It seems like a bad not- precedent. That's that's my main. It's like, are we going to start getting microtransactions in our product productivity apps for individual <laughs> functions? Like bold, if you want to bold your text, it's ninety nine cents. I don't like. It just seems like a bad precedent to send. You've already used your five text bolds yeah. for the day. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's like we're, we're, we want software neutrality. Yeah, that's, that's what we're we're saying. Yeah. <laughs> um. I don't know. I guess you can be worried about it, I, but maybe it's just my ignorance or naivete. It's not ignorance, but just my, my optimism mm-hmm. that companies aren't going to do evil things or shouldn't do evil things. But uh, yeah, no, I, I, I hope it's not like, yeah, by the base base model of Microsoft Word, yeah, like, you know, without italics. And if you want italics, you have to pay five bucks. Right. Like, that'd be kind of crazy. Mm-hmm. But I guess we're kind of already going that route with the, was it was the Windows the not rt the light the light version of windows that only runs the microsoft apps the microsoft store apps right so that's that's kind of that same thing sorry i what what's this so the there's a version of windows and we've talked about it before in the past (laughs) i don't remember if it was this show or desktop no it was both i think i'm um (laughs) i'm almost certain it was desktop so so they're they're releasing I don't know if you can buy the operating system separately or if it comes on specific devices, but it comes preloaded with this version of Windows that will only let you run apps downloaded from the Microsoft Store. It's Windows 10S, by the way. Okay. I remember it. So, I did not look I looked it up, but I did not get a result. <laughs> so like you can't just download an EXE and expect it right. to work? Exactly. So if I couldn't run that, Audacity. Right. Unless they have released a version on the Microsoft Store. So, A, this encourages developers to develop the stores and release them on the Microsoft Store, which is, I don't know if that's going to work, <laughs> but it also encourages users to, you can look at it one of two ways. Either it helps users by releasing a cheaper, easier to use version of the operating system if they're not needing a ton of different apps, like like applications that you download from the web or buy from the store and put on a CD. Uh but on the other hand, it also requires users to pay, I guess, to, to upgrade your operating system if you want to do that. And I haven't looked at the economics of it, if it works out to be the same if you buy the S and then upgrade or if that's just worse. I, I don't know. But the the point being is that they're they're already kind of moving toward that model of, hey, you don't need all of these features. So here's this. But if you do, you have this option to buy this. That's crazy. Um, but again, like to, to a point, pe- people who have a desktop or a laptop, they often won't need many more applications outside of what 
is already preloaded on the computer or you can get on the Microsoft store, like Microsoft Office apps in a browser. That's that's what most people use a desktop for. If if any if if anything else is used, it's because it's a workstation, like mm-hmm. at an office or a home yeah, office, whatever. You're right. But I I think well it's, I guess it's just you're right, but I wouldn't buy it. <laughs> Uh, right, because because yeah. you're not one of those users. So that's absurd. Well, I, anyway, when when they announced this Windows 10 S, they also in the same keynote said, and and by the end of the year, iTunes is coming to the Windows Store, and that was supposed to be like, wow, everyone's doing it. Um, there was a piece a piece that every tech publication came out with on December 15th of 2017 that, no, in fact, iTunes is not coming to the Windows Store in 2017. <laughs> uh, it's now mid-January. It's still not here. So I don't know if that's still happening or if they've canceled that. But uh, it is kind of funny that iTunes was going to be one of the big things. It's like Windows 10S can only run things that come from our store. But this big thing that everyone wants is coming to our store. And it hasn't yet. It's more humorous than than meaningful, but... I do find it kind of funny. Wow. So, Nick, what do you think this signals the beginning of microtransactions and I don't know, paywalls? I, I feel like just in general, companies are trying to tend more and more towards microtransactions just because it's a great way to make money. And it's just like, it's not just this. It's kind of everywhere. Mm-hmm. And it's just they're pushing further and further to see what they can get away with. And I hope there's enough backlash to stop it because like, why, why do you have to pay money when you've already bought the products? Yeah. I I don't know. I don't like the model. It should be. Unless it's like Pokemon go in which, (laughs) in which case they give it away for free and they're like, yeah, you can play for free, but also exactly. You could buy this other stuff and it's like, yeah, okay, that's fair. Yeah. On the note of like functions being behind paywalls, there's nothing stopping someone from either writing their own or getting like a posted function code or whatever and just using that that achieves the same thing yeah yeah it's you know what i mean like like you you can write the same sort of functionality with the ifs statement yeah in visual basic and and use that if you really wanted that functionality but i think anyone who's going to be using the ifs statement would have already been used to just nesting exactly it well the if conditionals already you say that but on a generational level if someone comes into the ecosystem and has the ifs available they're never gonna nest if sure if they started with that yeah yeah. right it's like nobody's ever gonna need microsoft word i already use word perfect well you kind of missed the boat on that one then Yeah, I don't know. I, I I don't love it, but as a subscriber, I'm <clears throat> I'm not even sure I'm going to be able to use it because most, like I said, most of my stuff that I use this for is at work, and at work we don't we're not on Office 365. Although right. I did hear that we might be moving to it, which would be really cool. How would that work though? If you write something or make a spreadsheet in 365, and someone not on 365 <laughs> tries to use it, I'm going to have to try, I guess. They're just not going to work. And it's really, oh, this uses features not compatible with the version of yeah. Excel. It's not It's not a great uh, yeah, use case. Hmm. I'm, I'm actually going to try that. I'm going to make a function and, and then send it to work and see if it opens. See, well, <laughs> it, I'm sure it'll open, but see how it actually, what it works. Yeah. Well, I've seen, I've seen the compatibility warning before, and I think it can do some level of converting, but I don't know if it would convert the ifs. Convert them into, into a, a nested, nested. Yeah, nested if. Yeah. That would be so funny. 
<laughs> it would not that would not work i think that would break almost immediately but <laughs> i'm curious to see how they would try yeah all right well having said that thank you all for listening to this week's episode of future chat and look forward to hearing us again next month as we bring you into the future bye <laughs> ciao <laughs> <laughs>best exit ever it's beautiful beautiful and we still have three minutes to spare where we can talk about community day community day because i want to know if nick got a shiny um i was would you be shocked to know that i was looking through my pokemon list while you were talking <laughs> i would not <laughs> uh i do have a shiny pikachu does it have the, sir? oh nice the go plus caught it at some point because wow. i did not catch well i did not intentionally catch it okay i didn't know you were a collector Nick. <laughs> <laughs> i apparently i did not knowingly but i'm much more excited about the 2320 kyogre no kidding or kyogre is that 100 <laughs> no 2328 is 100 and okay. it's i think i looked up a chart and i think this one's 14 15 15 okay but because it's because it doesn't have the perfect attack stat it's like it Useless. chops off it yeah basically <laughs> literally unplayable with this kyogre <laughs> yes um <laughs> no it, it hacks off like what is it the eight cp from the top at level right. 20 hmm. but it's surprising how the CP calculation works that way. Cause like I have two Dragonites. I believe they're both level 30 could be wrong, but my 15, 15, 14 is 30, 62. And my 14, 15, 14 is 3000 even, huh. which surprising difference. Mm. Yeah. The attack thing is, is weird. Anyway. Cause I have some, like the, I have a better IV overall, I forget what it was, but that has a lower overall CP just because it's a tax that is quite a bit, like a couple notches lower. Yep. It's kind of annoying. Yep. I think it's Golem. Yeah, it's Golem. Okay. Yeah. Nick, did you leash level 38 yet? No, I, it's not going to happen for a while. I'm at... Wait. Really? Aren't you only like one or two mass evos away? I'm at 2.38 million, I think, through level 37. Oh, yeah. Okay. Mm. So I've I got, thought you are like 50,000 away. Nope, not quite. Womp, womp. That's you. I was in a yeah. Well, I was in a race of thirty-eight with someone, and she got to level thirty-eight yesterday, and then I got to thirty-eight two hours later. <laughs> so, so you still lost. I still lost, but it was close. <laughs>